0: It's the Flyers Forecast with Steve Chico and Craig Forsyth, taking a look at your Flyers week ahead. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flyers Forecast. My name is Steve Jacot. this is Craig Forsyth, and we are here to talk about your Flyers week ahead for the week of January 17th, twenty. 21 or i guess january 18th you know the monday start yeah. of the week
1: yeah yeah they'll, they'll hear it on the 18th but whatever they, they know what you're saying
0: i'm personally not somebody who believes in the the sunday starts of the week i think that's absurd
1: yeah i don't believe in time and space so that's a whole other discussion
0: <laughs> we don't need to talk about your anti-time and space this religion <laughs> that yeah your cult that you belong to craig we don't need to talk about that cult <laughs> You're in denial, but that's that's what it is, my friend. That's what it is.
1: But you can't deny that these Flyers are all to a hell of a start. There you go. That's a, no, there, a that's a transition. Right <laughs> okay, That's a transition. nice true. segue.
0: <laughs> Your 2-0 Philadelphia Flyers, the floors themselves, are... They're great. They're, they, they've had some rocky moments, but that's about the best you can ask for. Two regulation wins to start the season. Doesn't get much better than that. And they have... Quite a week ahead against two new additions to their division, the Buffalo Sabres and the Boston Bruins. So Monday, hosting the Sabres, 7.30, NBCSN. That's a national game, right, Craig?
1: Yep, yep. National game on Monday.
0: Better cameras, worse broadcast crew.
1: 7.30 start. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually... That's okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's okay because you have the, the good, the superior broadcast crew, the local guys, for the rest of the week. Yeah, that's right. Tuesday... Hosting the Buffalo Sabres yet again, time for the Pandemic crew, the Flyers Fandemic crew, to show up with the air horns outside of the Wells Fargo Center for the team to not hear them yell, shoot, and blow air horns.
1: Fandemic is a hell of a term, by the way. I love that.
0: Oh, that was my favorite thing about the Philly season, because there was nothing else to like about that. <laughs> that is, that's pretty good, though. That's good stuff. Uh, hosting the Buffalo Sabres again, 7 p.m., NBCSN, Philly. That is, uh... so Monday and Tuesday, both playing the Sabres. And then Thursday, heading up to Boston, shipping up to Boston to play the Bruins. 7 p.m. game, NBCSN, Philly. And Saturday, visiting the Boston Bruins again, 7 p.m. Couldn't, couldn't start a little earlier on a Saturday? Couldn't, yeah, it can, on. you know, give us you a
1: don't. Saturday night, but whatever.
0: I love Saturday afternoon games. I'm all about them. Oh, yeah, same Saturday too. night game against the Boston Bruins. That's on both the NHL Network and... NBCSN Philly, so you get your, you can pick your poison if you're outside of the Philadelphia area, I suppose. Yeah, but you're probably gonna have to deal with the NHL
1: network. <laughs> yeah, you're probably gonna deal with uh which I believe still will get the, uh, we'll still get JJ and Jonesy, so that oh, will be, you. Uh, you should be fine. Yeah, and uh, uh, you that is having a good time. <laughs> that is the schedule for. Uh the first-place Flyers, who are uh, first in the Mass Mutual East Division of the NHL after going 2-0-0 with a plus-six goal differential in uh, their first series of the season against the Pens.
0: You actually went ahead and said the
1: Mass Mutual East Division, <laughs> Yeah, huh? they're actually... go with that? Actually, I should say they're second now uh, because the Caps were also tied for first, and they lost in a shootout earlier today. The Caps now have five points. Uh, flyers are in second with four points uh still have a better goal differential though uh they are first in the better nhl points
0: percentage better winning percentage yeah
1: they're thousand re- yeah that's a thousand that's right they're just better they haven't uh they haven't lost anybody yet so uh first with 5.5 goals per game uh in the nhl the flyers are they have 11 goals in two games uh one of two teams with 11 goals so far in the nhl the other one is the leafs and the leafs have also played three games so uh yeah flyers are uh, lighting up the back of the net there uh Tie for tenth with 2.5 goals against per game. Uh, top ten in power play percentage are three for nine so far, and then they're middle of the pack in the PK. They've allowed two power play goals against on eight kills. Bottom of the league in uh, shot attempts four percentage, mainly because of the uh, generating offense. They're 28th in shot attempts per 60 and middle of the pack in uh, shot attempts against per 60. And then expected goals four percentage. They are 24th out of 29 teams that have played so far. Not ideal. 43.57, and again, that's because of the uh, not creating enough offensively. They're 22nd and expected goals 4 per 60, and then middle of the pack again, 16th and expected goals against per 60. So pretty much the flyer so far. Uh, not great Whatever numbers. Nerds. Yeah, well, not great numbers against the Penguins at 5-5. really didn't matter because the Penguins like to have fun in terms of D-zone coverage Here year, apparently. Jari had some moments, and the Flyers did. They were pretty opportunistic, which, again... Maybe a little bit of luck, but also the, you know, good teams capitalize on good chances. So uh, I'm going to lean into that theory a little bit because on Friday, Konechny did have a hat-trick four-point game, uh, and Konechny is tied with McDavid for the NHL leading goals with three and is one of five players with five points so far. So the offense looks good. Special teams looks, uh, or at least the power play looks a little bit better than it did last year. Carter Hearts played pretty well the first two games, played really well on Friday, that's about where the really fun and exciting news uh, kind of stops for the Flyers this week, this weekend at least. Uh, because I'm yesterday, yes, Debbie Downer today, Craig. Yep, yeah, I'm bringing a lot of you know two wins, but maybe not the most beautiful wins, and also
0: So a Frowner, folks.
1: <laughs> that's right. That should be a new segment that I do almost every week. So, uh, but anyway, Couturier, strong Couturier took a weird hit early on in the uh, in the Friday win. Left the game early, did not come back, and is out at least at least two weeks with a costochondral separation. Now, I don't need to explain that to most of you, but I'm going to explain it to the, the dummies out there in the crowd. Uh, that occurs <laughs> when the rib tears away from the cartilage that connects it to your breastbone. Uh, this type of injury usually is caused by a sudden impact to your chest. Symptoms include sharp pain when you breathe, call for sneeze, and if you if that definition of the injury sounds familiar... That's because Kurt put it in this article uh, that he wrote about Couturier, and I'm pretty sure Sam Cartucci tweeted the same thing out because it's the first thing that comes up when you Google this injury because nobody actually knows how long it's going uh, to take. To the few people in the know, Steve, it sounds like it's going to be at least two weeks, if not longer. So it does not sound like if you if you were to take a random guess for how long he's going to come back, it doesn't sound like we're going to luckily you know land and get to in Couturier later in the week. It Sounds like a thing he could be out closer to three weeks a month if not more
0: you know craig i'd say this sounds bad and painful
1: i was gonna say it sounds more painful to me Stephen. and uh it's you know he's missing the his rib is not connected to his breastbone i don't have anyone to do this look he's gonna be out two weeks steve and uh that is you know from the Pens, uh, that Pens game on Friday, that means he would miss about six games if he came back in exactly two weeks, which is 10.7% of the season. He's out four weeks a month, which is, again, some people are guessing he's going to be out more than two weeks. It's definitely going to be at least two weeks. A month would be about 14 games, which is a quarter of the season. Not great. Not great. For your top line center, the guy that is pretty much defines your uh, defensive presence on the team. Uh, he is the guy that, I mean, we saw it uh, left the game earlier on Friday and pretty much the Penguins spent the rest of the game in the Flyers' offensive zone. Flyers went, uh, they were down shorthanded a bunch of times due to taking uh, discipline penalties, just kind of chasing play uh, because they didn't really have the puck that often. And um, this is going to be a huge test for this team because even though the Niskanen news came out a while ago, uh, the Flyers in a span of two actual games. So now I'll see what their team looks like without both Niskanen and Gatorre on the ice in terms of defensive impacts. So big question coming into the season was what the defense would look like without Niskanen. And through the first two games at 5-on-5, five five, they've um, given us some chances. Uh, and, you know, not like opening up the floodgates, but not exactly um, shutting things down. And now you take Gatorre out of the mix and you're going to be looking at he is in Patrick to step up and a new body to go into the lineup. And uh, the one bit of exciting news with all this is uh, Morgan Frost, baby. It's Morgan Frost time. Uh, it's getting chilly in here because uh, he is back in the lineup. And according to Charlie, these are the lines I practiced at practice today. Uh, Drew hayes Faraby, JVR, Patrick Voracek stay the same in the middle six. Limblom, Frost, Konechny as third line and then Old lawton and ak still the fourth line and as charlie also tweeted out av said he views the top three lines as one a b and c which i think is fair i mean you can i would say they're not all equal but i think it's fair to say that those are three pretty you know top end lines when it comes to generating offense i, I think that's a pretty solid top nine even with katori out i still I. I mean, JVR, Patrick, Voracek, uh, they, they looked pretty good last game. Patrick looked really good last game. And I, I think Limblon Patrick, and Connecticut got some shifts last game as well. I was looking forward to that.
0: I'm a little surprised that they're not mixing the lines up given the change here. Uh, specifically, I, I mean, I'm happy they're keeping Giroux, Hayes, and Farabee together because I really have liked that line a lot so far. And I just think they're all... Three guys have been very beneficial for each other. I'm a little surprised they not breaking up JVR, Patrick, and Voracek, all things considered. But, I mean, if AV thinks, if Big Al thinks that they are showing chemistry out there, then, hey, he's the coach and I'm not. He knows more about this stuff than He does I do. know,
1: I will, yeah, AV probably does know a little bit more hockey uh, than both of us. But that's, uh, you know, maybe, uh... no, I I'm... I kind of get keeping, uh, like, throwing Frost into the line with Lindblom and because, I mean, uh, if we want Frost to succeed, giving him pretty good, talented linemates right away would be one way to do it. So rather than moving everybody up and putting Frost on the fourth line with Raffle and NAK, probably going to get some chances against top-end competition and just more ice time with Lindblom and Konekne.
0: I do like keeping that fourth line together too, because I think that fourth yeah. line has largely been good. I know NAK had a couple penalty issues, although uh, one of them was pretty damn questionable, pretty, in my yeah. opinion.
1: And they also scored in the first game too.
0: Overall, I, I like keeping that fourth line together.
1: I also don't like. I would prefer JVR, Patrick, and Voracek, or JVR, Frost, and Voracek, because Patrick's looked pretty good in the first two games back. And I, I feel like JVR, Frost, Voracek, that feels like a goal against like just oh, i, that I wouldn't together. do that yeah i don't know
0: i would mix up the jvr patrick voracek and limblom frost connect knee lines in some fashion if i was going to do that i wouldn't i wouldn't just throw frost between those guys I think yeah I that's just what, asking yeah
1: that's the, that was a concern with patrick and then patrick killed it the first two games so like it's just you know why pull that away now yeah yeah you'd have to do some sure, more sure. uh yeah, some more shelf on there
0: I would do some sh- Yeah, I would not throw Frost in the middle yeah. of two guys <laughs> no. that are not exactly known for their defensive prowess. I don't want to talk too much about Jake Voracek. We'll get into this later. You know, oh, cause yeah, yeah. Jake's watching. He's got it. He's got his eyes and ears oh, out he,
1: there. He's, he's yeah. Uh, also, Frost uh, was getting time on the first power play unit in Voracek's spot. Uh, G in his usual spot, Perprof at the top of the umbrella, Frost on the right, Hayes in the slot, Connect me in front. Again, some wrinkles to the power play units. Uh, we'll go over that. During the week on Flyperbole as well. Uh, and as for the Flyers opponents this week, Steve, uh, first on deck, series against the Sabres, who they'll be playing on Monday and Tuesday. Sabres so far, 0-2-0 with a minus three goal differential after losing uh their series against the Caps, which was a back-to-back on Thursday and Friday. Lost six to four in the opener, two to one on Friday. Both games, they got to the net at five on five. Uh Mike Owen Hall looked pretty good at 5 and 5 and uh, defensively, they are doing pretty well in terms of limiting chances against at 5 and 5 So speaking of that, uh, 17th in goals per game, 22nd in goals against per game, so maybe not you know, in terms of the results. But uh, 17th ranked power play, 29th ranked penalty kill. That's only because they've had two penalty kills so far in the season, and they let up a goal on one of them. Uh, they are 12th in shot attempts 4 percentage, uh, 25th in generating offense, 3rd in limiting shot attempts against per 60, and then 4th in expected goals 4 percentage. Again, 24th in generating expected uh, generating chances per 60, and then 1st with 1.09 expected goals against per 60. So the Sabres, uh, you know, 0-2-0, but they did add all. Uh, I think they have a second line that's a little more dangerous and uh speaking of that taylor hall was added from the coyotes during the offseason signed a one-year eight million dollar deal uh 52 points 16 of which were goals in 65 games last year between the devils and coyotes so far this year he's got three points uh one of which is a goal on two shots in his first two games they spent spent the first uh two games online with jack eichel who's going to be I'm imagining he's going to be stapled, like, all year long. That seems to be, be the smart thing to do Buffalo. Played the first two games with Tage Thompson, and the trio of 5-5 five and five generated over 60 expected goals forward percentage. 60.19 in 20 minutes, and they broke even in goals with 1-4 and 1 against. They're not going to be paired up uh, in the lines going forward, though. It looks like it's going to be Taylor Hall, Eichel, Miroslav and Zitane. Reinhardt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be uh, Jochen Hesch. It's going to be... No. Hall Eichel and Sam Reinhardt, who uh, Reinhardt missed part of games uh, part of the game on Friday, but he returned to the lineup and that line that's gonna be a pretty fucking good line. Hall and Eichel are widely known as good hockey players. And Reinhardt is uh, somebody who like is pretty good in terms of driving play and maybe doesn't get as much love nationally because again, he's on the Buffalo Sabres and isn't Jack um, isn't Jack Eichel. So uh but in ter- also with Hall, another move that I think people forget that kind of Improves their depth a little bit. Eric Stahl. Uh, Eric Stahl was traded from the uh, Wild to the Sabres. And a 1-1 one for one for Marcus Johansson. Uh, still scoring goals. He had 47 points last year in 66 six games. 19 of which were goals. He had 28 goals in 16 17, 42 goals in 17-18. 22 goals in 18-19. And like I said, 19 goals last year. So, uh. Sabres added that he's guy to their, consistent. Yeah. He's pretty consistent. Sabres added him to the top six and, uh, their second line now has been Victor Olofsson, uh, Eric Stahl, the Dylan cousins, who was the seventh overall pick in 2019. Uh, that's going to be their second line. Uh, that's a projected second line coming up now. And again, Victor Olsen too, maybe not the biggest threat five on five, but still 20 goal scorer in his rookie season, pretty big threat on the power play. Like he's not, that's not somebody that he can, I guess, slouch off against, uh, when they're in the defensive zone. So, again, they're top six. Hall, Eichel, Reinhardt, Olesen, Stahl, Cousins. That's pretty talented. That's a pretty talented top six there. Um, And then along with Hall and Stahl, they added uh, Tobias Reeder from the Flames, Cody Aker from the Jets, um, Brandon Davidson from the Sharks, who's on the practice squad, Matt Irwin from the Ducks, who's uh, scratched, and then uh, Jack Quinn, who they took eighth overall. Uh, this offseason. Uh, and then also in the AHL, they added Dustin Tokarski and Steven Fogarty. They lost Marcus Johansson, Wayne Simmons, Jimmy Vesey, Michael Frolik, Dominic Cahoon, Johan Larson, Vladimir Sabaka, and Scott Wilson. So they didn't lose any heavy hitters either. Sabaka. Vladimir. This makes me Sabaka think of the every time. It's a, <laughs> he's over in uh, Switzerland now. This guy that was part of the uh, fucking. From the and, uh, docks of Baltimore, Raina, to Switzerland's and Ryan O'Reilly, deal. <laughs>
0: But they're missing that leadership from Wayne Simmons. He's already pounding yeah. fools over in Toronto. Yeah, he's
1: already beating the show. bench rod in, uh, in Canada. Uh, and they're Tarada. bottom six. With those additions and uh, everything else going on, uh, Tobias Reeder, Cody Eakin, Tage Thompson is their third line. Tage Thompson was on their first line. Still pretty bad at hockey on their third line now. Fourth line, Stephen. Jeff Skinner, Curtis Lazar, and Riley Shahan. How Je- how the mighty have fallen. Jeff Skinner on the fourth line out in <laughs> Buffalo. Had a monster season his first year there in... Uh, I want to say 2018-19 had, I thought he had 40 goals. Am I making that up?
0: 40, 36? You six? might not be
1: making that up. It he was, was out there. It was a ton <laughs> was of goals. There. Yeah, and now he's down in the uh, on the bottom line. And again.
0: Like, he had a classic contract year here. Like. Yeah. whenever people think, oh, he just had a big year because his contract was up, it might have actually been the case for Skinner. He <laughs> fucking killed it, yeah. and he just has not been the same since.
1: That, uh, And he might be a little bit of a hassle for the Flyers' defense to uh, to work against, because if he's on the fourth line he's probably going to be going ag- up against uh, Hag and Gus, who you know, Skinner may be struggling offensively, but still pretty quick still a pretty elusive skater with all the edge work and everything. He might be causing problems against that pair in the uh, defensive zone. On the blue line, they have Rasmus Dahlien and Brandon Montour as their top pair. Jake McKee, Rasmus Mr. Linen on the second pair. Colin Miller, Henry Yukiharji uh, as their third pair. Um, with Kyle Ocposo, who is day-to-day with a class case of LBI. And Zemgis Girgensons, who is out for the year with hamstring surgery. Uh, so that's their projected lineup. Defense, I mean, Dahlien's got a bounce back from last year. Montour's fine. Uh Jake McCabe and Ristaline should be a pair that the Flyers should take advantage of. So hopefully whatever top 6 pair or line is not up against them. Hopefully they cycle and dominate uh and then Colin Miller and Yuki harji is uh they're fine. Uh third pair. Those are names. Yeah, those are definitely those are definitely names, yeah. Uh Bruins. Bruins let's talk about the Bruins a little bit, Steve, because they are another interesting club uh in terms of uh Transitioning from last year to this year. So the the Sabres should be a team that might look a little more offensive, maybe a little quicker up front than you would expect. Should still be a win for the Flyers, but may not be as convincing or pretty as you'd like because they're going to be with Akatoria and a team that's got a little more speed to them and a little more uh, offensive threat up front. Maybe, uh, you know, not as comfortable a victory for the Flyers. You might need to rely on special teams. Same with uh, It might be the same with the Bruins, who are going through a little bit of change themselves. One-on-one and minus-one goal differential in series against the Devils. Uh, with Both games nearly going to a shootout.
0: What are you guys doing? What, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, come on. Thursday's that's the Devils. Win. you got to start out... <laughs> I mean, not every team can start out 2-0 against fierce division rivals. Like, oh, I, I, the Bruins do yeah. not have a rival against the Devils. <laughs> but th- that's a team they should have gone... They should have had two regulation wins against, and I'm very surprised they didn't.
1: Yeah, they should have been able to, again... You know, the, the Devils are not... They might be a little bit better than people think this year. I don't think they are. But they shouldn't be... They, they shouldn't be uh, causing your problems. And the first game, the Bruins were a little bit unlucky for it to go to a shootout. I know they were up by like nearly 20 in shots, and the Devils' second goal bound, literally bounced off, I think, to four people in front and then went in. So it was a little crazy. But the second game, they got pushed around a little bit and then lost 2-1 to one in shootout. In the third period, they got pushed around a lot at 5-on-5, five five, and it was not... Uh, it was a tie game, so it wasn't like the Devils were chasing the game, and the Bruins were ch- just trying to close it out. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, a game that they should look better in. And uh, speaking to that point, they are tied for 26 in goals per game, and they are tied for fifth in goals against per game. Uh, one of four teams left in the NHL with just three goals uh, so far or less, and also the only team in the NHL so far that doesn't have a five-on-five goal so far this season so they've been doing wow. all the work at special teams
0: that sounds bad
1: it's not great uh and again it's a real shame
0: i hate to see it hate you hate to see it
1: two there's uh three goals have come on the power play they are two for seven on the power play eighth in the league at 28.6 and one of eight teams with a 100 percent pk eight for eight on the penalty kill so they've given up four power plays a game in their first two games and uh 11th in Corsi 4 percentage, uh, 18th in generating offense, 7th in uh, shot attempts against for 60, 13th in expected goals 4 percentage, middle of the pack, in both uh, chances for and against uh, in terms of uh, quality of chances. So... It's These Browns are going to look a little different, especially just because of the defense and the Flyers. Did pretty well against them last year. Uh, won two shootout they games did. and then lost 2-0 on the last game before the pause. And again, no regulation wins. But I'd say
0: there's still they're still a team you certainly can't You can't sleep on
1: them. them. Yeah, you can't. Uh, but I, I think the defensive... You know, it, they might be uh, they might be struggling to score, and that is mainly because, you know, Poshnik is out. They lost their two
0: best defensive
1: players. Yeah, yeah they it's... lost Chara and uh, Krug, and Poshnik's also out. Um, and I guess that's where we'll start. We'll, we'll talk about their losses first, because that's probably bigger than their addition. So Chara, yeah. who was their Catherine from 06-07 uh, season, won the Norris in 2009, won a cup with them in 2011. Uh, they... Pretty much played chicken with him in terms of signing a contract until late in the summer, and then Chara was like, "Well, I'm going to Washington," and signed a one year deal.
0: Zdeno <laughs> Chara is the king of chicken because he's got that. Isn't that picture where he's in the Oh my god, yeah. right? He's in
1: a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. If you've never seen oh, no, this picture, he's folks, in a, uh, I thought it was a bunny costume. Damn it! Wait, no, it, no, no. There's that picture, be... but oh, okay. There's multiple. a picture
0: where he is. He's jammed into an amusement park, right? Yeah, you
1: better search. It, and I he doesn't
0: that. fit because Zidane O'Chara is approximately 11 feet tall. I, yeah, I
1: think he's about 11 foot 5, yeah.
0: He's pretty He's tough. huge. It, no, it is. It's a rooster. He's in a giant <laughs> rooster. Okay. And if you've never seen this picture, Craig, I am going to send it over to you oh, because you it's it hilarious. But he's jammed into this rooster amusement park, right? So as we know, Zidane O'Chara is the king of chicken. And you come with the king, you best not miss. <laughs>
1: That's what he says in that rooster. Tartar, by the way, signed a one-year deal with the Cavs. 795K just before New Year's. Uh, And also, Tory Krug, another big part of their defense, uh, had 49 points last year, nine goals in 61 games last season. And also, it sounds funny that like saying a defenseman may be playing a part in their lack of Oh, that is... Oh, that I did not see this one. No, I've never seen this one. Never mind. I was thinking about him... It's fantastic. ...actually in, like, a bunny costume. Yeah, I thought there was something like that. Maybe I'll make No, there out. is a picture okay, of him there. in a bunny costume. No, but there is. But him it's on just... the, that ride but... is pretty good, yeah.
0: A rooster ride.
1: It's, <laughs> it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's... I mean, you know, when you lose the rooster, you lose the king of the, the coop. Yeah, it's, king it's, of the I'm, farm. I'm yeah. done with rooster. You can't... But, yeah, you don't get to run the farm. Shara... Yeah. You don't get to run the firearm anymore. Chara was such a cornerstone of that defense, such a consistent player, even in his older age. I know he wasn't the player he once was, but he's still a literally huge presence back there on the defense. And to lose him, to lose Tori Krug, that is a gigantic loss, and they did not sign anybody to really make up for that. And, you know, there's certainly part of that is cap-related, but I, I don't know. For a team that I think is still one of the top competitors in the Eastern Conference and uh a team with guys in their you know late primes but still prime in Marshand and uh Bergeron. Bergeron you know and I, I would say Posternox right in his prime yeah. you really can't screw around you need to really capitalize yeah. on that and I think that was and really crazy. just dumb on them
1: on their part. And Craig honestly too. Like they've had yeah, a couple Krejci's guys. a really underrated part of this team. Yeah, like that's I think that's a big thing uh real, real quick with Krug though. Uh 9 goals last year in 61 games. He had two 14-goal seasons and a 12-goal season in 7 years as a Boston regular. I mean, getting 10 goals as a defenseman is a pretty big deal. So he had in terms of goal scoring among defensemen, Krug is a big loss for them. Like it's not the reason why they haven't scored at 5 on 5 yet, but like, that is a pretty big element to lose. And uh, yeah, I think that's the thing about the Bruins is they have been relying on these names. Marsham, Bergeron, Krejci, Chara for a while, um, Poshnek, Rask, Like, all these guys for a while and they didn't do anything to kind of replace them. I'm not expecting the Bruins to suck. You're right. Like, you, you were saying that earlier. They're not going to fall at the face of the earth. But I think, you know, there might be some uh, cracks in that defense now. Because um, looking at the lines. And they've been they right now they've been having problems filling in for Pashenak because the top line was Marshan, Bergeron, Andres Bjork for the first two games and now these are the lines uh, that Cap Friendly had going into this week: uh, Brad Marshan, Bergeron, Jake debrusk on the top pair, top line. Uh, Nick Ritchie, David Krejci, and Jack Stoddemica on the second line, and Stoddemica was somebody else they were trying with Bergeron and uh, Marshan for a bit too, but that top six right there, that's not as threatening as it has been from boston and um for you know the last couple of years here and really how they've been dominating too is that top line fucks and generates and really it <laughs> has the biggest differential in terms of like outplaying the other team and then the other three lines have kind of been able to hold steady and just out chance the other team and just not cause them games so it's when they don't have that dominant line either i think that's kind of where the lack of offense comes from so if they if flyers are able to get out on marshall and bergeron and brusque with pro ruff and, and Braun and just kind of take them out of the game then i think it's going to be a really rough grinded out you know low scoring game that hopefully the loss of doesn't kill the flyers uh, with but uh, their bottom, bottom six, too. Anders Bjork, Charlie Coyle, and Craig Smith, who was one of the additions that we did not talk about. Uh, Trent Frederick, Sean Corrali, and Chris Wagner is their bottom line. Uh, their Bruins big addition. This uh, season was Craig Smith had 31 points in 69 games last year for the Preds, uh, 18 goals. Dude just loves scoring goals. I mean, he's a crack. He knows how to score. So he's got five. Well, I was
0: going to say, what are you really
1: adding? adding <laughs> Craig? Like that's come on. Yeah. He's just, uh, he just loves getting in five, 20 goal seasons and only three seasons he broke 40 points. So again, not a lot of setting up on the, on the Craig Smith front. God, just lights a lamp,
0: but a decent third line. Oh addition, no, he certainly, he's a good, I player. think that's a bigger addition with Posternock in there. But the yeah. fact is there where they, they didn't really need help offensively per se, because you did have Posternock and yeah. Marshand and and Bergeron. The problem was defense. Yeah. And the fact that they lost their two best players. Is still... I like Charlie McAvoy a lot, but he is not ready to be the cornerstone no, of that defense. He's
1: not going to be. Craig um, Smith, by the way, three year deal, $3.1 million a year. And um, they also added Greg McKegg to the uh, taxi squad. But no, no. Charlie McAvoy is not going to be Mainly for his name being fun. Yeah. Just Gregory McKegry. Yeah. Just the most fun. You're right, though. McAvoy is. McAvoy's a monster, and he's going to take on a bigger role and responsibility this year and probably look really good. But, yeah, their defense, uh, Jeremy Lawson is on the top pair with him who hasn't gotten regular NHL minutes yet. Matt Grizzly and Brandon Carlo, who – or if Lausanne did, it was last year and it wasn't that significant again. Grizzly and Carlo are the second pair, and that should be – they should be fine. That should be a, a fine second pair. Uh, I don't know if it's going to – they – mixed pretty well together grizzik's more of a mobile guy uh pretty good play driving numbers and carlo was successful with krug as being the shutdown guy more of a defensive clear the crease type so maybe that's what they're going for here and then jacob zabor and kevin miller as a third pair should be a pair that the flyers are able to take advantage of again zaboral not really a lot of nhl experience yet and kevin miller is um is not great. It also does help the Flyers in terms of depth. Uh, Andre Kasha is out with a class case of UBI and Carson Coleman is out uh, in COVID protocol. So again, Kasha with Kasha and Poshnick on the lineup that it does look a little a little because then when you have Smith on the third line and you have uh Kasha and Poshnick in the top six instead of Richie and Studnica, uh, it's not gonna be that painful. But this is this is the time you know, the Flyers are gonna be with that at the same time the, the Bruins are without Poshnik. Like, I can't. I know Cotorie changes the complexion of how the Flyers are going to play and everything, but that really can't be an excuse this week when the Bruins are going to be without a guy that nearly scored 50 goals last year. Yeah. That's. I feel like that's a pretty big. If there's going to be a trade off. Yeah, like that. I think you have to take that trade off and figure out a way to, to handle those. I match-ups. mean, if you're going to have
0: a trade off, like. It, if it's Posternick, Marshand or Bergeron, like that's the only way that's an even trade-off yeah. for the Flyers in any way, shape, or form.
1: And, and honestly, like again, looking at the matchups, against the Sabres, I I think it's obvious pro Ralph and Braun who they're going up against. I, against the Bruins, there's no discussion they're going up against that top line. And against the Sabres, I think they're going up against Hall and Eichel, and the speed and the work to the outside from Hall and Eichel against pro Ralph and especially Braun, Will be interesting. Uh, We'll we'll see how that goes. And unfortunately, I think Hall and Eichel are both going to be coming down in transition on Braun's side. So we'll check that out. But I think in the Sabres, the big battle is going to be Olufsen. I'm assuming Olufsen, Stahl, and Cousins would go up against Sandheim and Myers. And I would be interested to see how that goes. Because again, Sabres in the past, I, I mean, really, right now they don't have like crazy depth. But Olufsen, Stahl, Cousins really isn't the worst second line especially considering like Buffalo's recent history of second lines it's not <laughs> like it's not bad <laughs> at all i i think that's what i'm looking for in terms of matchups and then offensively i would just expect av to lean more on um Ferry hayes drew a lot and uh i i would expect jvr patrick and uh and voracek honestly get a lot of top six minutes now too i i think I don't. I like. I picture Fairby Drew Hayes will move up to the top line in terms of uh, time on ice, and then I imagine JVR at the Patrick line and the Frost line kind of get a little more evenly uh, spread out.
0: Yeah, I'm. I think this is why I'm a little surprised there wasn't more juggling because I, I, I would be very shocked if Travis Konechny especially, is going to see a dip in ice time. I mean. He had the hat trick in the previous game. And the fact of the matter is Travis Connecty was your top point getter last season for the Flyers. He is a guy you want on the ice. You want him getting a lot of time. And the way he's playing right now, where he's jawing off, he's pissing guys off, he's drawing penalties. That's what you want. You want that guy out there quite often. So I would be very surprised if you saw that line take a, a significant nosedive in, in terms of ice time.
1: Yeah. Yep. I'm thinking uh, we, we didn't talk about goals yet, right? about the goalie match real quick
0: we did not talk about goalies yet i just wanted to bring up this quote before we got into the the goalie talk so i i know maybe number wise it wasn't the most impressive first couple games for carter hart but i think he showed some good poise especially in that second game and i love this quote from elaine Vignot that bill Mel- melter had posted on twitter oh, yeah. saying we're not to apologize for good goaltending that is, yeah. That is something that I didn't think I'd be hearing as a Flyers fan, maybe ever. as a coach thing. <laughs> <saying laughs> yeah. That. But the fact is, Carter Hart against Pittsburgh, they might be depleted, but they still have Crosby and Malkin and yeah, Gensel, who's a good goaltender
1: too. Yeah. They still look you know, good on Friday. So,
0: they're still a, they're a tough team. It's still a tough matchup, and Carter Hart stood his ground and and had a good first couple games. Came away with the W on both of them, and. I imagine they're going to give him a break, however, for one of these upcoming games.
1: Yeah, and also, I want to say, going off that quote, get used to a lot more games that have that feel. Because if Katori is not out, if Katori is out for a while and he's not able to help drive uh, play a 5-5, five five, there's going to be a lot of nights for Carter Hart's going to, to stay on his head. Uh, again, the Niskan and Katori loss in tandem is going to be... Interesting to see how that works out in terms of tilling the ice. But, uh, yeah, you're right. And I think Meltzer already confirmed this a couple hours ago. We are recording on Sunday afternoon. So uh, Meltzer put out that hearts and then on Monday. And then Elliot will get his first start on Tuesday to split the back-to-back. And that was something I, uh, we expected. And it makes sense with the way the season has gone and the schedule is laid out. Elliot last year, 16-7-4, 8.99 save percentage, 2.87 GAA, and two shutouts. And as we, as we went to bat last year for Elliott a couple times, and I'll remind people this year, eight ninety nine percent percentage sounds bad, and it's not great. And they had a had a couple. It's not ideal. Yeah, a couple big games last year that really dropped that, like that that uh, that ass flopping out in Pittsburgh. He was in that for the first two periods, but then he's back a goalie, and he came up big in a lot of different spots, especially against the Caps last year, and uh, he came through in a couple other big games.
0: I think of him as all reliable. Like he's I, a guy. Yeah, who is I think he was fine. Is in there. He does a decent job when you need him to. He he's not a shutout guy. He's not a guy who's gonna come in there and it, like Halak is probably the best backup situation you can ask for, yeah. right? Like Halak yeah, is such honestly. a a stud when you stick him in there. But Elliot is he's a great like elder statesman, right? He's the guy yeah, who yeah, kind of yeah. anchors your team. He's a great clubhouse guy. He's a great mentor to Carter Hart. And he, again, there's a few games where he'll drop some bombs. He'll be hot fried ass out there. But for the most part, they'd he will step it. in and usually have a solid game for you.
1: And it seems like those injury concerns really aren't as problematic as we thought they'd be two or three years ago, which is good and is fine for a backup agent goaltender uh, for Buffalo. Um, so based on their schedule, they had a back to back with the caps that ended on Friday and they don't play again until this Friday at Washington. So um, we, we should see. Uh, a split in the goaltending. We should see one of both Linus Allmark and Carter Hutton, a uh, former uh, Phantom alum. But Allmark stopped 19 of 21 in his uh, loss on Friday. He went 17 14 of 3 with a nine fifteen save percentage, 2.69 GAA, and one clean sheet last season. And Hutton, five goals against, on 27 shots against, and lost to open the season. And he was 12, 14 and four with an eight ninety eight save percentage, three eighteen GAA, and two shutouts last season. So, again, they like I wouldn't say the Sabers. Uh, I don't think the Sabers goaltending is terrible, but it, I, it should not be a game changer. <laughs> they should not be blanking no, you. Out no, if, uh, Yeah, if I especially the game you get Hutton. I mean, I love Hutton, but he's not. Like, their defense in front of them. The times you had that wrist alignment and pair out on the ice, I I think you should be able to take advantage of them.
0: I would be very disappointed if the Flyers can't take advantage of Buffalo's goaltending and put up uh, some points, especially after what they did to Tristan Jari over the past couple days. A guy who had a real nice previous season, and the Flyers just embarrassed him.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be like another thing, too, when I think about the uh, playing the Sabres is the penalty kill. So, if there's a way they can attack the penalty kill again, because the Sabres already gave up one on two power play opportunities, and then the uh, special teams last year, the Flyers had a, th- a game where they had three power play goals against the Sabres. So, hopefully, they utilize that to uh, to beat these guys as well. Uh, Boston, yeah, Boston. Uh, so Boston's schedule two days off before uh, they play the Flyers on Thursday and don't play again until Tuesday after Saturday's game. So their five, the their games against the Flyers are their only two games in a seven game span in the middle of the, this season, the season where everything is going to be crunched together. So I thought that was kind of interesting. thought that was kind of weird schedule wise, but whatever. Uh, Rask stopped 20 of 22 in the season opener, 26, eight and six with a nine twenty nine save percentage, 2.12 GAA and five shutouts last season. And then Halak, who stopped 29 of 31 in OTL on Saturday, 18-6-6 with a nine-nineteen 19 save percentage, 2.39 GAA, and three shutouts last year. I'm thinking we see Rask both, ga- both games, uh, but either way, this isn't really a situation uh, where there's a drastic drop-off between Rask and Halak. Maybe overall, but the last couple seasons, Halak both pretty damn
0: good yeah i'd say it's probably the best one 2 punch in the league as far as goaltending goes like you really can't ask for a better backup situation where you re- it's seamless almost like no. they- these are very very close in town ta- now the fact of the matter is if rask gets hurt that changes the game entirely and we saw that in the playoffs last year for boston but we are talking about or not he wasn't hurt but you know rask left and halak was the guy mm-hmm. and it just wasn't the same right but this is a great one-two punch and it doesn't matter if you play either one, it's a tough matchup.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, even with all their losses on defense, these guys are still capable of just. I mean, they lost on Saturday. Or they lost on uh, Saturday. Looked pretty bad to the Devils, but Halak still played pretty well. I mean, it was a it was a one one game until the last few seconds of overtime. Uh, so they they can cancel out all the chances the Flyers may get from what is now going to be uh you know allowed by the brawl the boston defense but we'll uh, we'll check that out when it happens uh and right now we should talk about how we uh fucking nailed the players of the week picks last week steve which is mainly that's <laughs> well, a compliment for me because you usually do pretty well on them
0: it's interesting because player of the week we both nailed and didn't nail it so uh <laughs> previous week i had joel Faraby. Farrabee had a great Uh, First game, uh, and then he was solid in the second game, but didn't have any points. But first game, four point game for Joel Farabee: one goal, three assists, four point game. Farabee looked awesome, and you had Nolan Patrick, and I am very happy to report that Nolan Patrick looked great in his first game in the NHL. Yeah, that's
1: right. Had a pretty good redirection goal, uh, redirection goal on the in the first game, and then also picked up an assist. So, uh, and he's looking off the score sheet; he just looks good on the ice. Uh, so he he might be seeing the lion share of minutes here, coming up here the next couple games with coots out.
0: I consider that a tie for us because Patrick hadn't played an NHL game in how long at that point. Oh yeah,
1: I mean if you want to take this situation where your guy got more points and mine lost, I'll I'll take it as a tie. Yeah, I was gonna give it. I to will you. give it a tie yeah. because
0: I well the fact of the matter is the fact that Nolan Patrick came back to come back into the league after not playing for that long and look as good as he did, that's really impressive. He looked freaking great. And just, that's such a a heartwarming story to have him and Oscar Lindblom back like they were and playing good hockey. That's just uh, the best story of the year. And it's, we're, you know, a couple games in. Yeah,
1: no, no, it really, it it really is.
0: Now, while we might've been tied for this, we, neither of us won player of the week Mm. because the player of the week
1: (laughs) Without yeah, a doubt, it yeah.
0: has to be. And we're we're going to get into this. We're just going to dip our toes into this a little bit. And then we're going to fully unpack this on Fly Parvally later this week. Give this the full breakdown that it so desperately deserves. A full taking it to the beat segment. Jake Voracek, Yakov Voracek, the Jake the snake with no arms because he doesn't score goals and snakes don't have... It doesn't make any sense. I, <laughs> you know, I talk. Jake Voracek came out after the game on Friday night. And just dropped a bomb on Mike Sielski, one of the beat writers for the, the Philadelphia Inquirer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Sielski came out, asked Jake a question, and the camera... Is, so all of it's like virtual Zoom questions. Mm-hmm. And the camera has... It was on uh, Voracek and Konechny, Yeah, And Voracek just lays into Sielski, says, Does it matter what I say, Mike? You're going to write fucking shit every time, so it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points out of these first two games. I wasn't even going to answer your question, because you are such a weasel, it's not even funny. Next question.
1: Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Voracek just taking Sealski to task. Connect me! Just cracking up next to him. K- Konechny came so close to doing a spit take. I wish he had done it. Just, pff, just like a oh full on God. spit yeah. take. Because he was drinking a bottle of water and he. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like,
1: not it, to like I, oh, honestly. The
0: screenshots and gifts of this are amazing.
1: Yeah, we're gonna we are gonna talk about later in the week, but it had to be mentioned on this podcast because it was insane. I mean, it was. Uh, again, we're gonna talk about later in the week but I'm telling I'll you get right now.
0: Net. NBC Sports Network is not somewhere that you hear fucking shit very yeah. often. I
1: do want to say, like, I... As a preview, I'd stay on the check, and I'm going to explain it in pretty good detail. And also, I... Yeah, there's reasons... I, I'm fine with Warcheck's reaction, and I'm fine with how it came about. It was definitely random, and I was not expecting it, and I don't think... Yeah, nobody was expecting it. Connecting his reaction was gold. Uh, that was... That was just amazing.
0: We were also euphoric following that Penguins game because we all thought the Flyers were gonna blow it during that game. Oh yeah. Because they they started out hot. They started out three up 3 0 in that game and were like, yeah, pour it on, more, more. Yeah. And then and then the Penguins scored a couple and then Couturier and then Katoria was hurt. Yeah. And then it was a rough second period, so you really thought, oh, there's no way the Flyers win this game in regulation. And they did. Because they they held on Carter Hart played a a great game and the the Flyers provided some offense to really put it away in the third period. But it was dicey for a bit there. So it was very euphoric feeling when they closed it out and to beat the Penguins two games in a row to start the season is fantastic. But to have Jake come out and do that was so shocking and funny and insane. I, I can't believe it. So player of the week. Jake, Jake Ward who also had a fantastic pass uh to Travis Konechny for one of his goals. Yeah, he I guess that that was great alone, but this really put the icing on the cake.
1: Warjack had some players the first game too. Yeah, he's looked alright. And I think he is somebody that, you know, if he's gonna get those uh maybe not these next couple games now, but if he's gonna be put in the third line, they're gonna be paired up against bottom six guys, like yeah, his speed's gonna come through. So hopefully, uh you know, this whole thing I I think it's just funny. And also, again, we've talked about Sealski on this podcast. He's a little bit of a weasel. I mean, like, there's not, there's times to critique players, and then there's also kind of going about the way that uh, Sealski has. And I think if I'm Jake Voracek, I think I call him fucking weasel to his face, too. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. That's, and we'll definitely, we're going to talk about this. This is the big thing this week.
0: It's a big, this is a, a thing we'd like to talk about on Flyperbly in general, so it's definitely going to come up, so be on the lookout for that on Flyperbly later this week. Player of the week for this week, I am going with, I'm going with Oscar Lindblom, I oh, think. Oh, nice. Especially if he's going to end up on the third line, I think him, Patrick, and or him, Frost, and Konechny could really get some big opportunities yeah. if they're not going to be getting the the first line matchups they were getting in the the first couple games so yeah. it could be it could definitely take advantage I think Oski boy looked good and I think now that he's got his bearings I'm really th- I'm thinking he's going to step it up even more
1: okay I mean I, I, there's nothing wrong with Oski boy I like that pick uh I am let's see I'm going to go with Carter Hart uh because he's only going to get we already know he's not going to start one of these games but I think he is going to see more action because Katori is out. Uh, And I think the Sabres games should be. The the Sabres games could be games where the Sabres outshoot the Flyers, but I don't know if he's going to see that many high end chances where he should get lit up. So he should make a ton of saves. And I think the games against the Bruins might be a little closer, more tight knit. So even if he loses, it might be something where he saw a lot of shots and only allowed like one goal against. So I'm going with Carter Hart. I think uh, goaltending, you know, goaltending matters a little bit in hockey. I think that's been talked about before. (laughs) Just a a little bit. Yeah. But I think it's going to be more important now with your best defensive forward out. And also, I, I think, yeah, like I said, I think you're going to see a lot of quantity this week, especially on the Sabres, but maybe not as many quality chances.
0: Kind hot. All right, kinda I like hot. it. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, it's a good way to do that kind hot thing, by the way, since they're playing Boston. Anyway, continue.
0: Oh, it is. I, we'll be doing that quite a I, bit. Oh, time. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on Twitter. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad.
1: Yep, I mean I got uh, prospect reports out tomorrow, so if you're listening to this, check that out today. That's what I got for tomorrow.
0: <laughs> All right, good stuff. You can follow me at Flyperbly or at Esteban, but for your hockey needs, make it Flyperbly and. Speaking of Flyperbole, be sure to listen to us weekly on Flyperbole. Usually comes out mid to late week. Uh, Typically Fridays, I think we might be aiming for Thursday this week. I
1: think Thursday, we're doing Thursday because like we just talked about Monday, Tuesday, Thursday are the games. So record on Wednesday, out Thursday. Yeah.
0: That sounds good to me. I'm down for that. Yeah, all right. All right, all right, all right. Sports are bad. Flyperbole, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Be sure to check out all of the great podcasts that we are putting out there. We got Bill Matz's post game. We got Kelly Hinkle with checking out the competition. We got BSH Radio. So much tangy tent for you fine folks out there. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey.